0: Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod. Changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 13. Lucky episode number 13. It is Wednesday, October 17, and we have a packed episode for you today. The Doggy Juice model had its uh, best college football Saturday of the entire year. Mmm, I ding-ding-dong. It was another nice week of winners. I don't have the final tally in terms of units and profit from the weekend, because frankly I haven't finished grading everything out yet, but it's looking like well into the double digits in terms of units in the black and college football, and another winning day in the NFL. I'll have the exact numbers on the doggy juice damage to the books from last weekend on the next pod, and also post my card for every week this season so far for both college football and the NFL on my Twitter and Instagram accounts at DoggyJuice. You should also follow me there for any updates and for some of my value plays. We're full transparency, and the train keeps on rolling, baby. Anyway, the model plays were sick last week. The college plays and leans I gave out on the pod went like 9-2 and two or something like that. And it was another winning day in the NFL as well, including most of the recommendations I gave out on the Saturday pod for NFL Sunday. If you listened and have been following along on the podcast plays, then you have been rewarded. But please, please for me, do not go and do something stupid like doubling down your bets or something like that. That's exactly what we're trying to avoid. All we can do in the bad times and all we can do in the great times like these is just move forward and keep trying to scrape out those edges. We control what we can. All right, we're going to touch on a little bit of everything in this episode. I'll do some quick hitters in college football and the NFL, and then I'll jump into a preview of the 2018-2019 NBA season from a handicapping perspective, and then we will jump into an interview with our baseball guy, Dobzilla, with some thoughts on the Major League Baseball playoffs and baseball handicapping and his thoughts on the upcoming visit by tom brady and the patriots to chicago to take on the bears and then after that we'll close out with some weekend look-aheads and your danimal lock of the week let's get right to it yeah. Buddy. time for some football quick hitters starting in college boy did we have a shake-up last week number two georgia got smoked on the road at lsu number six seven and eight all lost as west virginia and washington both got beat on the road and penn state lost to michigan state who for me is a buy-on team this year now and i was able to find a plus 14 on them before kickoff last week if only i'd sprinkled some money line on that Uh, number 15 in wisconsin and number 16 miami also lost and that puts us in a spot where we have a few two lost teams already that were considered so-called title contenders Speaking of title contenders, because it's really a joke to call anyone else one, according to my model, Alabama will now be favored over the second-best team, Clemson, by over eight points on a neutral field. And here's a crazy Alabama stat for you. This past week, they scored 23 seconds into the first quarter, but even at 23 seconds, that was still their third fastest first-quarter touchdown drive of the season. (laughs) Their third one. On the flip side... The reason why one should feel any trepidation with this team and why I don't have them power-rated even higher than double digits over the next best team, even though it's close, is that we really haven't seen Alabama play anyone so far this year, but their true tests will come soon in the upcoming weeks, and I imagine they'll do pretty well. It brings me great pleasure to finally be able to objectively put the Iowa Hawkeyes, my alma mater, into the top 20 of my power ratings on the doggy juice model they're they're also number 19 in the ap ranking so this is not a hot take at all right here but according to ed fang's numbers from the power rank good website the hawkeyes are ranked number 16 in the country in yards per passing attempt on both offense and and defense on both sides of the ball and their offensive numbers are surprisingly eye-popping which is even more surprising for an iowa team but they're on quite a run against the spread as a road favorite right now. I've touched on that in previous podcasts, um, although I fear soon that the market will catch up on my Hawkeyes and take away any of our value moving forward. In the NFL, home dogs were 4-2 and two against the spread last week, and that puts them at 20-8 and eight against the spread on the season. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. How about that... Patriots Chiefs game on Sunday night. (laughs) I'm not sure if you have heard, but the Patriots made history again in that game. They were the first team ever to both never give up a penalty and never punt in one game. The Titans are a difficult team to grasp a proper power rating on right now for me. Some of the numbers looked encouraging, but last week was pitiful. And that home loss to the Ravens, it was the first time since 1987 that a quarterback was sacked more times than he had pass completions. Ouch. That Bears-Dolphins game, news came out on Sunday morning that moved the markets. Obviously, Tannehill not starting and Brock Osweiler taking his place. Uh, Books were dealing Bears plus three and a half and plus four all week, and I was giving out Miami as one of my top plays all week, and then all of a sudden, on Sunday morning, the, the line closed at plus seven, plus seven and a half with that news, but... The Bears lost after their bye week with that rough ending in overtime against the Dolphins, and for me, it was clear as day that the Bears were gassed in the second half of that game, and you can tell when you rewatch the tape. Like, seriously, go back and watch those those replays on the Dolphins scores in the fourth quarter and you'll see what I mean. The that heat and humidity clearly got to the Bears, and I imagine that the Miami nightlife did not help. Will Vance Joseph be the first coach to go this year in the NFL? I think if the Broncos lose to the Cardinals on Thursday night, that's what you'll see on Friday morning. The Broncos are 6-15-1 against the spread under Joseph, but more importantly, I think John Elway will finally realize that the guy just can't be a head coach. So he's my pick to be the first coach to go in this young NFL season. The Tampa Bay Bucks fired their defensive coordinator, Mike Smith, historically in spots like these you see a good effort by the team who fired their coach the very next week especially um, from the unit involved here the defense um, at least the very next week following the firing this is not an absolute but it does make sense players are on high alert when they see the change and they think that they can be next it's just human nature to feel a little fire under your ass but the Bucks also revamped their practice squad this week and Honestly, it's funny how far this team has come since Ryan Fitzpatrick was dressed up as Conor McGregor just a few short weeks ago after Monday Night Football or whatever it was. It's just another reminder not to be a prisoner of the moment. At minus three, Tampa Bay looks like they actually could have value for me here, but since Cleveland is coming off that embarrassing showing at home to the Chargers, I don't think I like the spot here for Tampa Bay, but I will be monitoring the airwaves from both practices all week. And I'm especially looking at getting involved on the under here, especially if it trickles up to 52. The Cowboys looked like a completely different team at home versus on the road this year. Not only are they 3-0 at home and 0-3 on the road, but they have looked very good in those home wins and equally as bad in those road losses. They're going up against another Jekyll and Hyde team this week in the Redskins um, in D.C., but I'm inclined... I'm inclined to look at the Redskins here laying, uh, I think it's down to minus one and a half at home and might even be able to find a reduced minus 115 money line on that one, so I'm taking a look at the Redskins this week. Alright, so even though I love football and handicapping America's game is one of my favorite things to do, basketball is my favorite sport to play, to watch, to handicap. As I said in an earlier episode, college basketball is my bread and butter. The lines are softer and the edges are bigger in college hoops. Plus, it's just the best sport. But NBA is the highest level of basketball. And the 2018-2019 season is already upon us. So here's my quicker than I would like 2018-2019 NBA season preview.
1: NBA season preview!
0: We had a Tuesday night doubleheader to kick things off in the NBA for the next nine months. Obviously, the team to beat is the Golden State Warriors. They are sitting at minus 200 to win it all at some places, which implies that they have around a 66% or two-thirds chance of winning the whole damn thing again. A little report from Vegas to where the big money is coming from in terms of team season win totals. There's big over money on Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Chicago, Dallas, Detroit, Houston, and the L.A. Clippers Um, in terms of teams getting good two-way action, the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Cavs, and in terms of teams getting a lot of under money on their season total wins, the L.A. Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks, and OKC. Interestingly, one better in Vegas went in and wagered $67,000 that the Warriors would make the playoffs to win $677. I always preach that there are no locks, but this is about as safe of a bet as you can make. But at the same time, aren't there any like CDs out there that you can tie your money up in for nine months with a better return than that? I don't know, maybe he's hiding the money from his wife or something. I don't know. So, how do you handicap the NBA? For starters, finding edges in the NBA is very difficult. The lines are not soft like they are in college usually, and the high-profile nature of the sport, just like the NFL, means more popularity and more people betting and thus sharper lines. But moreover, handicapping the NBA has become even more difficult over recent years as teams begin to really embrace the analytics side and rest players and play suboptimal lineups in order to tank, and that has rendered most of the NBA numbers you can find as useless. You can shove them up your arse, man. With teams... Openly tanking and players even, and even teams taking the night off so frequently. Developing any sort of like trustworthy database in the NBA is almost an impossible task. The numbers just don't mean anything that can offer us really any predictive value moving forward. But having said that, there are still edges to be found, even in the NBA. And the person who can make the most sense out of the madness can get themselves ahead of the market, pick off good numbers at opportune times. Team news is such a massive deal when it comes to betting in the NBA. The numbers move on injury news and coaching decisions that can affect how long a player is going to play in a certain game. And all of that matters so much since player values drive the numbers in the lines in the NBA. And in terms of the highest player values to the lines, the top guys are not surprisingly LeBron and Anthony Davis, who are worth about six or seven points to the line, give or take, depending on the circumstances. In terms of season win totals, The obvious key to the handicap is the conference that the team is playing in. Uh, Teams in the East may be able to still make the playoffs with a 500 record. And the the dichotomy between the East and the West might be crazier than ever this year. And I think it could be the breaking point to get the rules changed up a bit from our boy Adam Silver. So some season win total plays that I got involved in. The 76ers under 54 wins. Um... Eliasova and Bellinelli are no longer with the team. Um, and for me, it's a play also as to the uncertainty of Joel Embiid's health. They'll probably rest him still during the season. Um, I think there's going to be an issue with him staying healthy and also with Markel Foltz in the starting lineup. Could cause some issues with this team. Um, I still think that they can get up around that range, but I think 54 is assuming everything's going to go right with that team. So I went, I took a little ticket on the under there the Milwaukee Bucks over 47 and a half wins. It's actually currently at 48 and a half. So I got a good number on that one, but I think that's, that's a great overlook. Um, I lean under on, and a few hours before they tip off their season on Thursday night, I will be on the Lakers, uh, season wins under. Hopefully I can get it around 48 and a half. Uh, this team will need time to gel and it'll take a while be- for Luke Walton to work out his seven or eight man rotation. And they'll also play a lot of tough teams in the West, and I think we may see a slow start with the, with all the moving parts involved with them. And if not, um, they'll have to win some tough games to get to 50 wins, and I think they'll finish around fifth place in, in the West this year. The Lakers, LeBron's first season in L.A. The hometown Bulls, over 20 and a half wins. I'm on it. It actually moved up to 30 and a half, but it trickled back down to 30 after the marketing injury news. He's going to be out for about six to eight weeks with an elbow injury. And in terms of the state of the Bulls, I will delve way more deeply into this in future episodes because the Bulls are my favorite sports team, number one in on my list. But let's just say that I think the decision-making by Garpax over the past few years has been suboptimal. But that's yeah, that's all I'll say. But there is some young talent and a front court with a healthy Lori Markinen and rookie Wendell Carter, along with a good veteran to challenge them, and Robin Lopez is something to get a little excited about. The backcourt is another story. The Bulls decided to roll the dice with Zach Levine and match the offer that Sacramento gave him. They're paying him almost $20 million per season now for the next four years, and they also brought in hometown boy Jabari Parker, who's another huge injury risk. But for me, how the Bulls do this year is going to depend largely on that health and also how Levine can develop um, with the young talent that's there. But there is the young talent there, and Chris Dunn is also... Shown a nice resurgence after that shitty rookie year he had. Um, He has the defensive skills, but it's a work in progress with him. If he can be smarter with the pick and rolls, then I think the Bulls can take a next step this year, Um, even though they should probably be doing everything they can to ensure a top pick in the draft. Some teams that I'm high on compared to the market, the Utah Jazz. They finished last season 29-6 on a 29-6 run. And I think they can legitimately contend for the two-seed in the West this year, but will probably end up uh, with a three-seed if they can stay healthy. The Denver Nuggets, also high on them. They have an incredibly high-scoring offense, and I I think it'll be tough for teams to keep up with them this year. But they're in that tough Western Conference. Some teams that I am down on compared to the market, the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's no secret here that that Mello is, is the worst, but I truly believe that every team he goes to gets worse. And on top of that, Russell Wilson's banged up. Paul George just got paid, and they're in a tough division. I'll be looking to fade them, especially if they can fool people early on. I'll also, I'm also down on the Portland Trail Blazers this year compared to expectations. I think the course is run on this being a playoff team, and I'll look to fade them as well. And the market knows this, but the Atlanta Hawks are going to be—they're going to be god awful this year. Um, they will be your worst team, and their low 20s season win total reflects that in terms of predictions, I'm not going out on a limb here by predicting the Warriors versus the Celtics in the finals. And I was on him last year for every for MVP, but I will go back to the well again this year Greek Freak wins the MVP. If not him, then it's going to be Anthony Davis. There's no value on either of them really. I took a small slice of Greek Freak at 5 to 1, but if there's really value on anyone is it's Kyrie, uh, but there're just too many mouths to feed there in Boston and he's coming off the injury. Harden won't win it again, Westbrook won't win it again, and he's banged up anyway, and Bede won't play enough games. So I think it's either it's either going to be LeBron, the brow, or the Greek freak, and I'll go Greek freak, especially if the Bucks can knock off one of the East's big three and finish top three in the Eastern Conference. For Rookie of the Year, Luka Doncic, I Don, can never pronounce his name, and uh, DeAndre Ayton are your two shortest shots at around plus 250 each. I think it'll be Luka, but otherwise, the Warriors are... 2019 champions but I doubt you'll want to lay that minus 200 to sit there for nine months I don't either so that's it there's your NBA season preview for the 2018-2019 season from the doggy juice perspective we'll try to find edges all year long and I will focus in on the NBA in future episodes as another season kicks off for my favorite sport to handicap well without further ado it is now time to move in to an interview with a guy i go way back with all the way back to elementary school he's a former baseball player and a guy who loves to find value in the betting markets the world series is just around the corner so it's time to bring on our resident baseball handicapper a man by the name of Dobzilla. Here we are, sitting down with a guy I go way back with, a man by the name of Dobezilla. What's going on, dude?
1: Not much. What's going on with you, man?
0: Not much. It's good to have you on. So I was actually thinking of like a way to introduce you properly, and I went back um, through the brain and was like, okay, what's like some of my earliest memories of Dobezilla? And the one I come up with that just sticks out is we're in third grade when... They announced that O.J. Simpson was getting let off, and you and I (laughs) I announced announced it over the (laughs) intercom, and you and I are, are, like, in class together, and we found out, we just knew O.J. Simpson was a football player. We knew nothing about the case. We were, like, nine years old. We knew absolutely nothing about everything that was going on, and we just, like, once we heard the news, we just started jumping up and down together, like, just celebrating, like, yelling and (laughs) screaming down the hallways and stuff. We were so happy. So we've come a long way since then. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now you practice law. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know a little bit more about the intricacies of that case, but um, so, so you're soon to be father. um, Same with Zizzle Bizzle who I brought on earlier, but so now with that, obviously you're more responsible now, but obviously you do have an affection for sports betting and more importantly, finding value. I think in, in fact, like from the early goings, when I was starting to get involved, you were always a proponent of finding that value, and that's what it's all about. So, what are your thoughts on sports betting today, and how do you think you'll be involved with it like moving forward in the future? Uh, yeah, it's a
1: good question.
0: Um, first of all, with all
1: these new dads and their gambling tendencies on this show, what's that say about new dads? <laughs> Just look 20%. For an outlet, I guess, huh?
0: <laughs> Got to have fun somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um so for myself it's more of a casual and if I'm going out with the guys or, or something of that nature, I'm more likely to research the games and put out a couple bets here and there. And then maybe after a few uh soda pops, uh <laughs> if a uh, random game's on, I'll I'll throw a wager here and there on it. But um Obviously, with a little one on the way, I'm not looking to uh, put the uh, house on anything or yeah, anything like the, that. So, listen to the Danimal Locks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Danimal Locks are, are not in my wheelhouse. Um, but, I mean, and, and I'll say this for everyone never bet what you can't lose. Um, it's never been a um, anything that I've ever bet something I couldn't lose or couldn't pay a bookie the week of or anything of that nature. Um, And with that being said, the analytics out there and everything you can find now, um, it makes it a bit easier to get that edge, and in my case, more important, you find an edge.
0: Well, it's just the thing, like, on the flip side of that, there's, with all the info out there, everybody has that info, too. So, I think it even like um, it also makes it harder to find the edges because everyone else is operating with the same info. So, I think anyone who could do it differently or find the value differently than anybody else has an additional edge. But yeah, uh, but you have to figure that Vegas
1: or bookmakers have had that information, I guess, longer than we have. Um, I don't think they're getting. Extra information than we are now, which is a good thing. I mean, maybe they're talking to people's girlfriends or something. I don't know.
0: But, no, everything's on Twitter now, and all breaks the news breaks at the same time for everyone yeah. now.
1: Well, I, I feel like the the girlfriend edge is a huge issue in college games, maybe not so much pros. But I think we all remember in college if we had a bad week or had a bunch of finals, or you know, one of our friends was talking to a girl we liked, You're right. <laughs> it might affect
0: our play that day. Who's sleeping around with who? I think, like, there's one NBA team. I just read, like, I think it's Oklahoma. No, no, it's Minnesota. The Timberwolves are, like, I guess it's come out that, like, some of the players are sleeping with the other players' girlfriends and the whole Jimmy Butler, like, yelling at the team at practice angle. So it's, like, that stuff's out in the open for everyone. Everyone knows about it. But I wish I had had that info on Tannehill. Um, Apparently, like, some places knew Friday night that he might not start uh, against the Bears on Sunday. And obviously that – not mattering, but it definitely mattered for the line move. But I, that would have been to use an example here. It would have been great info to know that earlier.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to imagine, um, and I did. I do listen to your shows. So, how would that affected your? The hand, your yep. th- yeah, your handicap. Your three spread, three and a half spread. Um, yeah. I know you you can't put out a late addendum. And you want yeah. To this? Maybe with Twitter and Instagram, you can, but.
0: No, that's a good question. Like I actually pulled that out of my um my super contest picks. I was gonna go with it at plus three and a half as one of my plays for the Dolphins, but I pulled it away. I didn't take the Bears because I actually thought with Tannehill out the line was right at about plus four. So it came down to like how much you value the backup and and Osweiler versus versus Tannehill, and I think that's just like a two or three point difference, roughly. So like yeah. I still think there's that three points of value. I didn't add anything at Bears at uh, Dolphins plus seven, plus seven and a half, I just stuck with the position I had. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good case study right there and
1: in information. Did you see that Brock is 4-0 and against the Bears on four separate teams? No. I didn't see Yeah. His it's first Denver. start with four separate teams was were all against the Bears, and he won each of those games. That's cr-
0: who's, so it's Cleveland. No, that, Denver for sure. Obviously, Miami. I'm trying to think of the other two teams there. He was Houston. In Houston. right? Houston. We went for the year, and then. And Winston. I forgot the
1: other one. Interesting.
0: I didn't know that. That's crazy.
1: We, we need a stat check. Where's your
0: yeah. stat boy? Stat <laughs> boy. Next year, when he's on like, like the Bills or something, we're gonna have to remember this angle. He's yeah. like backing up when he's backing up Peterman. <laughs> oh God! Just kidding. <laughs> but um, no, that's that's really interesting. So you you obviously you know a bit about a, a lot of sports, but especially in my opinion, football and baseball. But you grew up playing baseball, and baseball is your sport. And right now, we have we have some World Series or sorry, we're approaching the World Series? We have some really great se- uh, championship series going on in the AL and the NL right now. But I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about baseball handicapping and how you go about doing it. You said you researched games and stuff before. Like, I know that baseball handicapping starts and ends with the starting pitcher, and I just want to know, like, in your experience, what are some key stats that you like to look at, and what what's important stats do you like to use for baseball, for handicapping? Um,
1: yeah, so <clears throat> well, I, I guess I'll start with um, a little history between me, baseball, and football. Like, baseball, and it's – for me is more of a romantic game almost that like you, you go there you're not sitting there watching every pitch every every at bat <clears throat> um when it's on tv you're definitely not watching every pitch and at bat but it's almost like just a, a, a romantic thing that like you go there with your dad when you grow up and it's like um every it's there's so many games and everybody grows up going to baseball games it's easy to get into yeah, um nostalgia yeah, but that being said, football is like the fast-paced, like, hot side piece. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I like to say I'm married and in love with baseball, but um, <laughs> <laughs> on, on Sundays, my hot little side piece or uh, Kumar came around, <laughs> and, and that, that's that's what that day's for.
0: The occasional Monday night, hey, honey, where are you going? I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm up to the bar, I'm up to the bar. You were really exactly. are just going to the bar to watch Monday Night Football <laughs> <laughs> all the time.
1: Um, but yeah, so back to your question on on some things I look at, and um, I've actually had a lot of success in baseball. And with everything, you go in streaks. Right. Um, and I'd say with baseball, I'm more of a gut gambler than analysis. Um, I like to think that having played it so long and having seen, you know, some guys throw 90 miles per hour and swing and miss at those pitches, that it gives me an edge, but that's probably LPS. But um, I like to think that I can watch a guy pitch and go, oh, this guy's pretty good. He gets shelled for, you know, his first five starts. He gets a a favorable spread, you know, middle of the year. And I, I hammer that and, um and that's given me some some nice uh
0: profits over the years you know there's value there like i just know and i always get confused it's almost like an alphabet soup when it comes to baseball stats that I've, i've tried to familiarize myself with it i don't like set numbers in baseball i try to just play like the market and feel and my market and feel is just not even at the close to the level you're at but i always look at like the alphabet soup of XFIP or WOBA, BABIP, uh, like stats like that, just to try to see like where, you know, what really matters, you know, because player could be, just goes back to player could be hitting the ball really well, but, you know, hard hit balls, but they're just finding gloves in the outfield and stuff like that. seeing, trying to find value there, like who's not due, but whose statistics are skewed and the numbers really are lying a little bit. It's like, that's where the edge is in baseball. Yeah. And one thing about
1: baseball as well is that, Um, more so in football and basketball and uh, hockey, it can happen as well, but any, any day, any team can win. So every year, I mean, the best team in the league, Red Sox are going to play the Orioles and Blue Jays who are two of the worst teams in the league this year and the Blue Jays and Orioles are going to win two or three of those games a year. So if you go out and see Chris Sale going against them in these minus 400, that's something that I, having played the game, having watched it all these years, it just doesn't make sense to me how any player can be, or any team, I don't care how good they are, can be minus 400 against another right. team. <laughs> they're just they're, it, like,
0: so much can happen to, to ruin that. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Just one pitch or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not the Patriots going against the 2016 Browns, uh, 2000, well, 2016 or 2017 Browns. Um, like in that game, Patriots are going to win 99 out of 100 times. And, right. and baseball, I mean, the I'd say the Red Sox win eight, maybe seven of those games, um, but... You know, anything can happen.
0: Errors. Somebody gets injured. To your to your point though here, like and I think this is really interesting, the difference between baseball and the other sports, it's one on one. You got the pitcher versus the hitter, and that's it. So when you're Mm -hmm. in football, to your point, you know the Patriots are playing the Browns. You're even a unit of eleven guys, and obviously quarterbacks are immensely important. But even when you take them away, you still have ten other guys against you know eleven on eleven. Whereas baseball, it's all one-on-one. So you're betting literally on that one, that one person versus the other person every time. So I I love that just because it's you can everything can be derived into numbers so easily in baseball, and it's like it's an analytics for anyone who's into that stuff yeah and that i mean even just look
1: at how much of that has changed over the last i mean i'd say five years even with how many
0: sw- um um shifts we see in the field yeah right like teams are embracing the analytics more than ever before yeah so poor anthony rizzo yeah poor rizzo <laughs> i know <laughs> you have to watch the rest of the game on the Oh man, I'm still mad about that. So, what are your thoughts? Like, also, like along those lines, in terms of like teams kind of changing, really embracing analytics to the point where it's almost annoying for the casual fan. What are your thoughts on teams moving away from the traditional starter? You know, going five or six innings and making bullpen games more prominent. I mean, we're seeing it with the Brewers right now. In in the NLCS and the playoffs, and you saw Tampa Bay do it um, through most of the season, just go to bullpen games. And how do you think this could affect handicapping moving forward? Yeah, I
1: I don't think that the uh, books have caught on to it yet. And honestly, I don't know what the correct handicap is on that. It's hard. Um, there's so many there's so it, more variables involved. Right, and – Honestly, I think this all started when the uh, Royals won the World Series. Because if you remember that team, they their starters, the entire playoffs, went four innings. And then they had, who was it, Herrera and a couple other guys. And from the fifth inning on, they just all took one inning, and uh. and that was it. Like, you knew after you got to that point, you were done. Right. Um, so the Yankees have tried to do that recently, which with less success. Um mm-hmm. They haven't paid the big bucks for a starting pitcher. Um, and to that effect, I think all it's a blueprint for smaller market teams to try to go and win a World Series. Um, the Cubs, I mean, you saw what they gave up for Chapman. They right. gave up Glaber, a future superstar, if he can not it was get worth injured. It, it was yeah, worth it. <laughs> absolutely. And if the Red Sox win this year, it was their Chris sale trade was worth it for them, too. Right. Um, yeah. But that being said, uh, I mean, we can even go into contracts and how much you have to pay the, the best starting pitchers. And I think we saw that, well, the market correct itself a little bit this free agency year. Um, but I think people are more, well, people meaning general managers are are trying to do what the Cubs did and do what the Royals did, and some of the well, Cubs are smaller, but it's the uh small market strategy of you draft well, just load up on prospects. White Sox are hopefully doing it well this now, right. um, but you load up on prospects and then um, you pay one or two of them is to hopefully. Um, team friendly salaries, and then just try to win a couple years and then ship players off for more prospects and just keep reloading.
0: Yeah, just keep reloading. It's, it's a copycat league, just like the NBA. You know, it's teams, the other teams succeeding going one way, and then they try and do the same thing. But for me, like the bullpen thing, like I, if you're going to trot out like five or six pitchers, all it takes is one guy to get lit up and just ruin the whole thing. That's why I can't get. Wrap my head around it sometimes because you could have an incredible bullpen and four great arms or five great arms that you're going to roll out there, but all it takes is just one guy to not be at his game one day and just and give up a crooked inning and then just ruins the whole thing. So I don't yeah, know. I think more more data needs to be um, taken from this, but I think it'll be interesting because the uncertainty in the marketplace I think will provide opportunity for those who can figure it out the quickest and easiest.
1: Yeah, but. I mean, just from a baseball standpoint as well, if you look at, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the stats, the third time through the lineup and how a starting Mm -hmm. pitcher does against a team, there's something to say about um, different arm angles, every inning, Mm -hmm. different velocities, different angles of curveballs, different pitches, all that. That's true. Get get hitters out of their rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I I mean, there's positives and negatives both ways, right? So. It's yeah. just what works that day.
0: Right. So what are your thoughts on So We've got obviously this playoff series. We actually, as we're talking right now, the Astros just lost to Boston in game three, actually. Boston is underdogs one. So they're up two to one and the Brewers are up two to one on the Dodgers. How do you see these two series playing out the rest of the way or any predictions for the world series? Yeah. So,
1: Prior to these two series starting, I thought it was no brainer, Boston and Dodgers. Well, I guess Boston wasn't a no brainer. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that depends on how far Sale can go and if David Price can uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: just get it out of his head.
1: Yeah, be a statistical anomaly at this point and, and so win a game.
0: Crazy. Yeah, so well, but they
1: did win his start. He just didn't get to win, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, my my thoughts are Boston. I mean. I think Chris Sale, I got a soft spot for him, but I think he is probably the best pitcher in the game. Um, Most consistent, goes the longest. He's got that more of a bulldog attitude that I like to see. Gets pissed off. He tries to fight guys on the other team. (laughs) It's just that heart I, I like that I don't see in... Pretty boy Kershaw and and a couple of those guys. Scherzer's got it, too. Scherzer's a bit of a bulldog. Yeah, Scherzer's sitting on a beach right now. Yeah. I know for a fact that Chris Sale will go out and give absolutely everything he can. And, I mean, the guy just doesn't get hurt. So, can't talk highly enough about him. Verlander, I mean, Verlander's soft. I know he puts up good stats and everything and wins a lot of games, but... I mean, he's soft like his girlfriend, or
0: wife Kate, now, Kate Umpton. Yeah, she'll soft I mean, did she make any of us soft, I bet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, we're hard.
0: <laughs> Depending on yeah, right. how you look at that,
1: it. That is true. So, um, yeah. But I, I just a couple more of the pitch. I don't know who Milwaukee has to pitch for them. Like, I know they got a great bullpen, and maybe that's where we'll see this bullpen games work out for them. But, yeah. Um, Dodgers, if they have a hot Manny Machado, which he has been, I don't see how they lose. But, again, they could be down 3-1 after tonight. So. They're
0: up against it, yep. yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. But if it is, if the chalk, I guess not the chalk because the Dodgers are favored. but if the two teams in the lead hold up, if it's Brewers and Red Sox, you fancy the Red Sox, obviously. I'm sure they'll be like pretty sizable favorites in that series, Bryce.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, JD Martinez, what a steal
0: they got for him. Oh yeah, I know. I wish the Cubs did that. All that Darvish money, or oh my god, that was a value play.
1: Yeah, Anthony Rizzo kind of uh, hampers them in that aspect that he can't play anywhere else. And yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Have you heard about um, for the playoffs? Have you heard about Mattress Mack in Vegas? You've heard the no. story. So it's one of my favorite stories, like like gambling related stories. This happened last year. There's a guy who sells, he's a really prominent seller of mattresses in the Houston area. I think it's maybe like the prominent one where he's like, you know, he's got TV commercials the whole time. Oh, I think I this yeah, so he, sell, he has a deal and this happened last year where he it's a fascinating story. He he offered financing on anything you bought for like a certain amount of time, like during the baseball season. And if you bought a mattress or a couch or whatever, anything from him, if he has a deal where if the Astros win the world series, then no more payments. Like it's, it's free. Everything you buy is free. No more payment plan yeah. or anything. So what he did last year, since he obviously has a lot of liability. And when he started this, I don't know, I don't think he properly, he probably saw the Astros are 15 to one at the start of last year. And was like, oh, okay, I could probably get away with it. But he obviously has a, a shit ton of liability. And last year he actually would go to Vegas to hedge, and like put a shit ton of money down on the Astros to win the World Series as a hedge for his his business, and he just went back this weekend to do it again in Vegas. Um, so he's like literally moving lines though because you know these are six figure bets he's making on the Astros. So he's becoming like a little like local celebrity there in Vegas. You could actually like probably find value betting against the Astros wherever he goes and best because they're just they have to move the lines accordingly. Um, <laughs> but just due to his like heavy action, I just thought it was interesting. So, my leather, yeah, mattresses. Yeah, he's trying to go bet on himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> also, I guess like brokers are known for doing. I guess it's like a Vegas thing, but brokers from LA, tend, like ticket brokers, tend to do the same thing to hedge. You know, if they're worried about no more games or the series ending early and not making like enough money if the series doesn't go six or seven games, they'll actually hedge that way too, and that moves the markets as well because like with big money too. So, I love it. Find the it CD, the CD, Underworld. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Everyone, everyone's got a stake. Everyone for yeah. snack. He's he's exposed on his <laughs> hometown team. So, how do you? How do you? Do you think? Um, do you have any predictions for the the award season? Like, who's going to win MVP? Cy Young? I actually have. I had a couple Cy Young tickets at the start of the year. I I did put some like a small slice on David Price, which obviously. I answered that one. Put a small slice on Carlos Martinez. Can wait my that one, but I also Wah-wah. put small slice on Jacob Degrom at twenty five to one. Which, Ooh, I baby, I think yeah. I got that one cashed. It's not for much, but do you think I I could just pretty much count my money now on that one?
1: Yes, I think <laughs> you can. Um, so for my season bets, my big winner. Well, I guess yeah, my big winner this year was um, the Atlanta Braves to make the playoffs. A wild card or whatever have you? Um, they obviously won their their oh. uh, division. Um, I got that at uh, seven fifty, so seven point five to one. Wow! They actually um, ran away
0: with it at the end too. I know. Didn't it was yeah.
1: awesome. <laughs> do not even need to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but wow. my Cy Young bets were Chris Archer. um, mom, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um and then the other one I took was uh, Aaron Nola, which
0: Ooh.
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it got close. Yeah. It got very close for a while. Um, he had
0: to finish, he's he's got to finish top five, right? Top three. Yeah. He'll be
1: top three. So yeah. it's DeGrom, Scherzer, and Nola. I mean, what happened was Nola just didn't have the strikeouts. Um, that being said, your bet, you can cash that. Yeah. I put the Dovezilla... Cash that,
0: Cash <laughs> even with that ticket. We did a drop, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's he has ten wins and his like, his team sucked. But I feel like his his numbers are just like otherworldly. Like some some stats are just ridiculous for Degrom.
1: Yeah, we we need another stat boy. But did you see what his record would have been if the Mets scored two runs every game? No, but it I bet imagine- like 25 and one. Oh my God. Wow. And if they scored three runs every ga- game, he would have been 30 and 0. Like, <laughs> he set the record for most games of not letting up more than three runs in a game. Like, I feel like if you break history in anything, um, you you're, you're, you're going to win. Or if it's something that hasn't been done forever, you're, you're going to win. That that goes back to Mike Trout's rookie year. Vicky Cabrero got the triple crown, but I think Mike Trout had a higher war. Mm-hmm. So I, he was actually the better player, but I mean, obviously if somebody gets the triple crown for the first time in 30 years, you're going to give it to that guy. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. There's like that,
0: like, like it's kind of like NBA for the MVP, you know, you just don't give it to the same guy two years in a row. It just doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. And it's like my, my uh, much maligned, uh, Kareem Hunt,
0: uh, rookie of the year yeah. last year, that thirty-three to one. You had him, right? No, Something dude, like it
1: was like two hundred fifty to
0: one. Oh my god, oh, that's cool.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, Kamara had the media and the Saints and that whole machine behind him. Yeah. Even though Kamara, or um, I'm sorry, um, Hunt
0: led the league in rushing and yeah. had more yards. It looks good. It's because the team, the team, like Kansas City, hint hint for what I think is going to happen later this year, at least is likely to, but they just tanked at the end of the year, and I think that had a lot to do with it because he started 5-0 last year as well, and Yeah, he looked like the front-runner. It's
1: because of Andy Reid. Andy yep. Reid's and – actually, it might have been Nagy's play calling. <laughs> Nagy's <laughs> play calling going away from Hunt. Damn it, Nagy. Which that – That actually brings me to another interesting point, point. I know we're going off topic a little bit. Uh, That's what it's all about. So Kareem Hunt, they stopped running the ball as much. They had a, a great offense last year, blah, blah, blah. But Nagy, he was coming up for a head coaching position. Offensive coordinators get head coaching positions by passing the ball. They don't get it from running the ball for six yards every carry. Good point. So I think there's something to say about if this offensive coordinator could be a head coach next year, they're going to be passing the ball more often than not. And that can go into hedging a lot of things. And that's that being said, it, it's more of my gut, and I haven't done any calculations on it, mm-hmm. but logically it makes sense.
0: It does make sense, yeah, because he's, he's absolutely looking out for himself, and we know that's what people do. Yep. Everyone's looking out for numero uno. So it's a good angle. And I think, like, this year, might, obviously, like, their offensive coordinator might not be gunning for a head coaching job, but I'm thinking I, – I mentioned this in a recent pod, I think, not to totally go off topic, but I think the Chiefs, in those colder months when their run defense, which is atrocious, is forced to stop teams that are trying to ground and pound more in the bad weather, I think that they're going to get exposed at that point. So it could provide betting opportunity for us in a month or two. Hey, Sony Michelle, just grounding and on them. Yeah, I see it. Um, the back to the baseball awards, who do you think is going to win MVP? Uh, Yelick and Mookie butts. Yeah. I think that's even going to be close. I know, like best. I don't. Betts or, uh, what's or Martinez, I guess. Or yeah. One so of the two.
1: American leagues closer. Um, mm-hmm. Mookie butts is another one of those media darlings. So JD Martinez kind of, everybody has a bad taste in their mouth from all this stuff over the summer. Um, Red Sox were trash-talking him for a bit. Like I, he was amazing this year. They got the best deal in baseball, for as far as I'm concerned, for the numbers he put up. Um, mm. But Mookie Betts is the Boston darling. A hundred and, what, seven-win team.
0: Yeah, obviously it's going to be one of them, too. And if it's going to be one, it'll be Mookie. Yeah, there's some uh, – and, again, we need a stat
1: boy. There's some stat out there that Mookie <laughs> Betts – it's the first player in a long time to do like thirty home runs, thirty doubles, and I don't know if it was thirty steals or something.
0: <laughs> an, an asinine stat. That, um, I was just thinking, yeah. I want my stat boy to be Denny. I'm gonna Denny. I know you're <laughs> listening to this pod. Driving around in Napa, you're gonna be the stat boy but anyway.
1: Sorry. <laughs> just fine. <to>, you sweet, <laughs> sweet.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and you yeah, look. I, that's, he's going to run away from him. Um, Javi is obviously the second right. runner-up, but I mean, he, like what he did in the second half—that was the insane.
0: That, that was so set up for. Like, remember his last at bat? If he homered, he would have won the triple crown. Yeah, get against, <laughs> against the Cubs in that game. That would have. He been had like eleven home amazing. runs at the All-Star break.
1: Eleven home runs that's at insane. the All-Star break. Segment. That's
0: that's insane. Well. Well it's pretty much you guys just heard that, Dobezilla Locks on the awards. Uh wait, I didn't get ALSA Young. Oh, ALSA Young? Um who? I was
1: I gonna think say the... Casale at first, but he got hurt at the end of the year. So Who else would be? It'd be Henrik Kluber, I believe. No, or Verlander or um, Cole. So I think one of the Astro guys gets it. It's a coin flip for who? I can't remember who ended up on top
0: of them. Mm. That's interesting. We'll see. They're going to announce I think that's usually like mid-November when they announce that after the season. But
1: Yeah, I I really want Chris Sale to get them too, but I don't think he's going to this year.
0: He deserves one. Like a lifetime achievement. does he? Uh, so how how do you view, speaking of sale, how do you view the White Sox moving forward and also the Cubs? Like, Do you think they're in a good place, excited about the future? Um, sorry, real quick on that. Blake Snell's going to get it. Ah,
1: I just did sorry. some quick numbers. <laughs> I was going
0: to look it up myself. Yeah, his
1: ERA was 1.89, and he went 21-5. <laughs> uh, a,
0: when you saw yuck.
1: Yeah, that's a big whiff on us.
0: Our part. A, can't get them all. It's, it's all
1: right. Tampa uh, Bay. Who watches Tampa Bay play? Yeah, Exactly. Um, Yeah, so what was the question? I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, like how do you feel about White Sox and Cubs moving forward, especially the Sox because you're a Sox fan?
1: Yeah, I I think that it'll be a uh, hopefully good rivalry soon. Um, Unfortunately, I think the Sox are going to be going up as the Cubs are going down. (laughs) But that being said, MLB prospects are so hard to come to fruition. Um, For every Mike Trout there is that, Is an all star. Well, he's the greatest player of all time. But for every Harper and Trout there is that begins contributing right away, there's 500 other prospects that don't even make it into the bigs that were supposed to be the next Mike Trout, you know? So while I'm happy that they have the White Sox have all of these big guns in the uh, minors, stockpiling. I'm not. I'm not holding my breath because so much has to happen. Right. So much has to go their way. The Cubs, um, I don't think I'm in the minority anymore, but after the World Series um, win, I thought that the Cubs won in spite of Joe Madden. Um, that being said, I think he is the greatest in-season manager in the game. Um, but once you get to the playoffs, Tinker and Joe just... Is not tinkers. Yeah, and I mean, even to the point that during the season he makes a lot of boneheaded moves with lineups and stuff. And I mean, there's a couple things I remember. So earlier in the year, Hayward hit a game-winning three-run home run, um, and it was probably first quarter. And he was hitting pretty good at that point. Um, he just came back from injury. It's one of his. Uh, probably second week back, he had a game-winning ninth inning, last batter, home run, walk-off. Um, very exciting. And then the next day, he doesn't play him once they get home. So that was the last game
0: I think I remember that now that of a road trip. Like kind of and then the shocking.
1: next game, he doesn't play him. Like, yeah, I don't – you need to let guys get in grooves. and like I not right think he – he'd enjoy a a curtain call even just for his own psyche and like, okay, I can be successful. Like, and for how much the Cubs fans just pile on Hayward now, like that could have helped him. And Hey, I mean, it leads into my next boneheaded Joe, Joe move in the playoffs this year, but it leads into, Oh, I've I've done this before. The fans got my back. I can do this. And it just doesn't happen all the time. Um,
0: Right. Sometimes but, I feel like he does that. He overmanages like that.
1: Yeah, and then uh, I mean, this year in the wild card game, I will never understand why he pinch hit Hayward with the bases load instead of Schwarber. Yeah. I mean, right. for a multitude of reasons, but Hayward, a uh, career one sixty six playoff hitter, Schwarber, a uh, three sixty playoff hitter, playoff Schwarby. like Schwarber. I mean, he's not the smartest guy on the team, but (laughs) if teams are forced to pitch with him to him and throw strikes, he'll put it in play. Yeah. We've seen what he could do and he'll hit it hard. I mean, and it was a righty lefty matchup. So that doesn't matter. And even if it was a lefty in the world series, he went one for three, two for three against Corey Kluber. Who's the best, one of the best lefty pitchers in the league. Like it, I I I was had a group chat with a couple of my buddies and like I'll always remember what I was doing when Joe Madden didn't <laughs> pinch hit um, Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> Kyle Schwarber in the in a winter go home game. Like it it shocked me with the bait like yeah, I, I couldn't handle it, man.
0: That's his spot too, like Schwarber, you know, like at least play into that whole and going back to the whole mental thing, he's he had it in his head that he could do that. You know, he's he's like Mr. October, he's you know, Babe Schwarber. That's like it came, the term mm-hmm. Babe Schwarber came from his postseason mystique. But yep. didn't see that this year, maybe in 2019. Yeah, um, in two, real quick, ahead. in 2015, and I
1: know this is probably going to go long, but no, okay. we're, we're hitting yeah. a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, in 2015, I think it was Rossi in an interview, they were talking about, oh, is Schwarber really going to come back for the World Series, blah, blah, blah. That whole storyline. That was incredible, incredible. yeah. Amazing storyline. And Rossi goes, not to insult the guy, but when Schwarber goes up there, not much is going on in his head. It's sea ball hit-ball. Right. And right. that factors into this wild-card game. Everything's going on in Hayward's head from being <laughs> the biggest bust of a contract since Alfonso Soriano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. going to for that
0: one. Um,
1: <laughs> but just – Schwarber 10 out of 10 times hits in that situation for me and you know what probably what what is it uh three seven out of 10 times
0: it doesn't work but
1: <laughs> probably yeah, gonna work
0: one more out of 10 or something like that
1: right nine, 10, nine times out of 10 it's not gonna work with Hayward, in my opinion but there's a reason um man's paid to coach and i'm not
0: Yeah, he also has won a World Series, and we haven't. But at the same time, your points are very well taken. Um, Damn, yeah. Damn, I wish there was more baseball season because I could have brought you on again for this because this has been a good knowledge burst from the dopezilla on baseball. But closing up with you, it's no secret to the people who know you that you're a huge Tom Brady fan. I am. And this weekend you're going to be in attendance at the game in Chicago as the Patriots come to visit the Bears you got any any predictions for that one, or anything you're going to be looking for? I I saw that uh Patriots are minus three, um, which no no value in the spread for me. I, I think it could even tick up to three and a half. I think there's going to be I could oh, see it it's got to be three and a half or four, but that's a max
1: four. Uh, yeah, I mean that. well, wow, using my sizable gut, I believe that seems like a trap game for the Patriots. At that point. <laughs> I mean, does it does. The public is going to be heavy on the Patriots at minus three. Yeah. Um, And I probably will be as well. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, so I'm I'm going to the media deck, and I got these tickets from somebody involved in the Bears organization. But um, so I'll be next to all diehard Bears fans. So (laughs) I'm not not wearing a Tom Brady jersey. I'm wearing a Bears jersey so I can finally put the rest that I will. For the Bears over Tom Brady and the Patriots. Everyone no can eat it.
0: You have to take a picture to prove that. And I know under your Bears stuff, you're going to have your Brady stuff, though. Let's be real. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> I'll
1: probably wear Brady socks.
0: Yeah, there's going to be some Brady on you. You're yeah. a fraud.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but that being said, I think three, I think they should probably be six and a half point favorites.
0: Oh, um, I think one of my biggest bets of the year on the Bears on that, at that price. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: I, well, <laughs> we'll see who's right, right? That's <laughs> yeah. the good thing about gambling. There's always a winner and a loser. We shall see. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm we'll, just we'll, we'll put a gentleman's bet on the side between me
0: and you. I'll take six and a half right now. All well, day, of
1: course so. you would, but I'm <laughs> yeah. not
0: giving yeah. I think if they play the game a hundred times, the most likely result is the is where the line is. The, the Patriots win by three. But we'll see what actually happens this this actual Sunday. I could, if it actually gets to four, I might even consider the Bears at that price, but like you said, tra- I think trap game, Bears defense can give them some fits, and Bears do have weapons, and so a lot of it will come, come down to Trubisky and his ability to what he does against that Patriots defense, but it yeah. will be a good cool well, one. You think there was any uh, Bears looking ahead this week when they went down to Miami? Oh, I think that was a huge part. I think, and I, I will touch on this in the pod, uh, but but like they 100% were or the heat affected them. I mean, there's a huge thing in the second half. When you, you like watch some of the plays, especially the plays where they, the Dolphins scored a touchdown. The heat totally got to the Bears, and they they even wore the orange jerseys, not the darker ones, to try and avoid that humidity and the heat. But I still think that was huge at the end. Um, that factor and you know partying down in Miami is never a good you know. It's like almost the biggest flu angle for hockey teams visiting Vegas. You know, teams going to Miami. You get that. I'm sure there were a few drinks had and. Sometimes to not with the ladies, the Cuban ladies down there.
1: So. And Jimmy Sage down there too. I'm sure he's yeah. on the bears. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. He's probably
0: the reason. Hang yeah.
1: So, I mean, I don't mean to rag on all Chicago coaches, but there was a couple things in that game that angered me as well with Nagy's play calling. And that's not even much. Yeah. I'm going to get on a rant on the bears now. So <laughs> Mitchell true. Trubisky is obviously football young. you have heard it from everyone. Um, why the hell isn't he playing in preseason games? Like it, it boggles my mind. I get He struggles in the red zone, and I, I know he's been good the last two weeks, at least from a stats standpoint. Yeah. But it's easy when you're against the Bucks, but yeah. <laughs> that's where you get more of those reps when they don't matter.
0: That's a good point. I mean, he needs all the reps he can get. I feel like Maggie took that approach this year where like he – like, that that extreme approach We like, didn't play anybody. And his defense, they had five preseason games, but he really took a lot of flack for resting guys, and now we're seeing the results of that. Not
1: as much seasoning. Yeah. So. And Nagy will learn. I, I'm all in on Nagy. I think he was a great hire. Um, finally, the Bears got a real offensive-minded coach, not like the, yeah. uh, the Tresman years. <laughs> Jeez, I know, right? And then not, John not, the, yeah. <laughs> not not the Canada upside down offense <laughs> yeah. offense coach. It's the uh, true blue American offense coach. Hell yeah! But um, <laughs> but that being said, there's two plays that stuck out. A um, on that Trubisky pick, it was um, on the three yard line, first and goal to go. They get the holding call. That sucks. On first and at this point, it was an eight point game. Mm-hmm. Um then first and 13, they throw the ball and I don't know why anyone would ever do that.
0: He's Um, made some questionable choices there. He really has. There's been a few games where it's like, like, what, like
1: what are you doing at that point? It's fourth quarter, not a ton of time left, but field goal in that position is just as good as a touchdown run the ball three times. Um, But that being said, on the other side of the coin, in the overtime, when they get the fumble, Jordan Howard runs it twice. He gets tired, and then they just run it two more times to get into a third and five on the outskirts of field goal range. They don't throw the ball and try to go for the easier field goal, and our field goal kicker isn't that good.
0: 54 yarders for him there, and then he misses that, and then... You give him that wide open, you know, right. short
1: field like that, and the, there you go. It's a loss. I'm just, uh, just throw the ball in that situation or, or do a bootleg. Like, he can run for that. Like, I, I right. don't know why they just ran, and I think it was Benny Cunningham at that point. Yeah. Well, you just that. open
0: up so many more doors, too, and you throw the ball, you open up to, especially now with the penalties on, on yeah. quarterbacks or, like, a flag could have been thrown, Trubisky, he could run the ball. He could option that. You know, there's so many. There was definitely the optimal move to, to not run it there. Yeah. But, uh, it is what it is. A little bit growing pains. I think Nagy's got, like you said, a lot of upside. He's the right guy for the job. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Well then. Yeah. All right, let's close out. I'm going to give you one question. This ran nice and long, but it was really good. Um, one final question. I've asked this to a few guys now that have came on. If you have to, I've been doing this Grover Cleveland game where you pick up a 1000 bucks but you got to bet it. I'm just going to give you one to close out. This, you get 1000 bucks, but you got to put it on one Chicago team that's going to win the next championship, but not the Cubs. Who's it going to be? Even okay. money on everybody. Chicago Fire count? Uh, you can do the fire. I don't think anyone, it'll resonate with most listeners, but <laughs> <laughs> I it's, not, your, it's your money, I man. Is Chicago Fire good? You know better than Mr. Football. I, I'll be honest, man, Chicago Fire are I not only do I not follow MLS that much, I have no yeah, idea how they're doing.
1: So, I think they've won think the championship in, in the last couple
0: of years. No, they didn't they won their first year, which is crazy. Back in like ninety eight, I wanna say. They were they're an all year. I don't think they've won since then, but yeah. they 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 had MVP though a couple of years ago. I know yeah. that. But, okay. Well, yeah, I I gotta go with the Bears. Bears, yeah. Could be next year, for all we know.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if Mitchie's the boy, but hopefully he is. Hopefully, we'll see. We've seen worse quarterbacks win, that's for sure. That is true. We've certainly seen worse quarterbacks here in Chicago. So, if the Daladom was still here, he could have gotten the Chicago Sky too.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: For all the WNBA listeners and your dozens of dozens of podcast listeners,
0: hey, dude, the WNBA has some of the softest lines out there. Yep. lower limits and soft lines
1: <laughs> get, get Dan Malone to talk about WNBA lines
0: I will <laughs> once that season kicks around next year we might have to do that yeah uh, alright dude well this is really fun uh, thanks for coming on talking some baseball with us and getting your thoughts on football as well it was fun
1: yeah
0: I uh, had a good time alright man Look forward to doing it again yeah I'll have you on again for sure alright man take care thanks for coming alright see you. peace Alright, a special thank you to Dobzilla for coming on the show. Quickly, time to move on to some look-aheads at the upcoming couch football and NFL weekend cards. Oh yeah! In college football, we have the Dream Crusher scenario. This is an angle that I always love to look to play at around this time of the year in the football season. The basic concept is that once a team suffers a loss that makes them incapable of accomplishing something this season that really that they really wanted to accomplish, getting their dreams crushed, after that, they tend to have a letdown spot in their very next game. And if you think about it, it makes sense. A team that thought it could win the title or legitimately make the college football playoff this year loses their second game last week to all but ensure that they can no longer accomplish that goal, and their dream is crushed. They don't practice as hard this week. Their focus and their drive and the same attention to detail and the fire just isn't there the next week. It could be a team that wanted to win the national championship, a team that wanted to win their conference title, whatever it is. Just look to see what happens the next week. And as always, we have to be careful in who we assign this dream crusher scenario to. But this week in college football, we have a few dream crusher scenario candidates, specifically highly ranked teams that just had their second loss and are all but eliminated from the college football playoff consideration. And those teams are Washington, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Miami. I won't put Georgia in there yet because they only have one loss, but they're certainly up against it right now. And for those teams, keeping up with the press clippings this week and, um, and gauging them, like their, their team morale is a key Potentially unlocking some value, betting against them this week in the betting markets. So, I think it's really important to monitor those press clippings and and really get a gauge on the team feel this week before making a wager, fading them. We have someone else who has some thoughts on a college game this week as well.
1: What's up, everyone? Danimal checking in from Reston, Virginia, with your lock of the week. Told Roselli about this one Monday crack at dawn Utah State mortgage play get the pink slip yellow slip whatever slip of mortgage is put it on Utah State minus 15 15 and a half 14 and a half I don't care I know UCF got too big of a hole early on took the lead in the fourth but it was a damn monsoon And they just couldn't score again for the last 12 minutes, which is unheard of. So that's on me. Hand up. I know you can't see it. My hand's up. That loss is on me. Utah State, lock, mortgage,
0: bank account, everything. Lock it up. Good luck with that one, Danimal. I wouldn't really recommend mortgaging your house on that play. That's kind of contrary to what we're preaching on this show, but we need the variety, baby. In terms of the NFL, a play that I already have in pocket is the Jaguars at minus 4. I took that one out when the lines opened up on Sunday. It has moved up to minus 5, minus 5.5 since then, but if it trickles back down, I recommend a play at minus 4. Everyone is down on the Jags after their abysmal performance in Dallas last week. That market reaction has opened up value on the Jags, in my opinion, and the numbers support it. And plus, let's not forget that the Texans needed a pick six on Nathan Peterman in order to beat the Bills at home last week. Speaking of which, Nathan Peterman is going to be the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills this week. They play the Colts on the road. Nathan Peterman. That's all that needs to be said. Fade away. This guy is the worst quarterback in the NFL, and I will be looking to get into play with the Colts, likely as my favorite teaser candidate of the week, because it's really tough laying those points. Um, But if you could tease them through the 7 and the 3 this week, I think that the Colts make a great teaser candidate, fading Peterman. And as I said at the beginning of the pod, I will be taking a look at Tampa Bay at minus 3 or less, along with the under in that game against the Browns. But I'm holding on before I make any sort of investment there. And I'll have an update on the next pod uh, coming early by early Saturday morning um, with what I'm going to do on that play. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod, our lucky number 13th episode. I'm sorry that I ran this long, but that interview with Dobe Zilla was worth it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And remember to get those Doggy Juice Challenge picks in this week. Every Thursday, I post the lines for the super contest that I play in on my Twitter and Instagram. All you got to do is pick your favorite five against the spread each week. Get them to me before noon kickoff on Sunday. If you go 5-0, and 0, you win a $25 Venmo prize. Include that Monday Night Football tiebreaker Um, Your total score is the tiebreaker for that. We did have a winner already as Zizzle Bizzle took home the bacon a few weeks ago. All right, I will see you guys later in the week. Thank you, God bless, and see you with the next episode. Doggy Juice out.